listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is a very fine Wednesday morning and none of us is terrified here at the Inclusive AF podcast. Everything's nope. going to be fine. Everything's fine. Right, Feeling Jackie? Brave. Yep, okay. it's going great. Yep. All is well. All is well. Uh, we're, uh, we have a very special guest today, um, but uh, I think uh, Jackie and I uh, share a sentiment uh, that we would love to just share with our listeners of um, things are not great. There's a lot going on. Obviously, we just had the SCOTUS decision last week that we are all now um, trying to take action on and figure out what makes the most sense. Um, I am going to say in Arizona, and I, I'm sure there's one in Texas as well, Jackie, that we have currently, you know, we're gathering signatures to get something on the ballot um, to try and get some uh, safe abortion laws in place. Um, and I think those are just, you know, encourage and urge everyone to register to vote and vote for folks that actually support equality and equity for all and human rights. Um, anything that you would like to add on that, Jackie? Yeah, I don't think they're doing that in Texas. <laughs> I don't think they're trying. I don't think anybody's trying. I think uh, <laughs> the tip is get out, get out as fast as you can. Um, okay. okay. I think that I think that is safe. I would like to say adding to that, just so you know, at Textio, we, we had a conversation um regarding everything that went on with scotus about giving people access to sexual health whatever they needed and relocation if they would like to move out of those states um that we can use it to move from one of those states as well i'll be staying in texas so thoughts and prayers sorry someone just came to the door so penny's gonna show up right now real quick she's gonna let you know she's here um, but let's get to our guests. And, and I will also say ChargeNet, same, you know, we haven't talked about relocation. Um, all of our folks are remote as well. Um, but we have definitely talked and, you know, have kind of put something in place that we will support anyone traveling and, you know, whatever they need from a healthcare perspective, um, just to make sure that they are covered in that regard. Um, and I'm, I, encourage anyone in HR to go to your HR leadership and get those things in place now because it's going to probably get is that a word more rough I don't know right a little dicey that's what I'm going with dicey it's going to get a little, it's bit. Get a little bit more dicey than it already is um dicier. anyhow <laughs> there you go oh, perfect um so we have an awesome guest today I'm very excited um this is someone that I have known for years and um uh, she has a, a great story, so I wanted to share that. Uh, so welcome, Ryan. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, please do introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, it's so great to be here. It's good to see you again. Uh, it's been a long time. So um, we, we were at the same company 10 plus years ago when uh, I transitioned from male to female. Uh, and that was the first time that the, the company had had some way do that. Uh, and so we really made up policy as we went along and tried to do our best. And uh, that, that was super fun. But yeah, that, that was a while ago. Um, life, is, life is crazy. I live in Pennsylvania now. Uh, and so 
we're, we're in a little better uh, state than, say, Texas, as far as uh, our abortion laws right now, but it's still scary. It's scary everywhere. Um, you know, we're, we're just doing our best. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, you know, I, I think the you know, this podcast and the way that Jackie and I have kind of pulled it together is really to help HR folks, to help leaders. And so I would love for you um, to share a little bit about your decision to transition and, you know, kind of how that all came about. And, and then, you know, I can fill in some of the blanks on my end of, uh, about my absolute terror, terror of, you know, messing things up uh, and making it not, uh, not just so, you know, not perfect for you. Um, so I would love to hear just a little bit about, you know, kind of your, your decision and, and, you know, how, how we got here. Sure. Um, so, you know, at, at the very earliest, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. Um, and that was uh, in the 80s. And, uh, you know, the, there was not a ton of awareness of um, anything transgender related. Uh, and so I, I grew up uh, feeling different and weird, but not really knowing um, you know, what that was, just that it was something that I got made fun of for, um, you know, just being effeminate and um, being teased for being gay um, <clears throat> growing up. Uh, and so I, I very much hid that part of myself uh, for a lot of years. Uh, and then I moved uh, to Phoenix when I was about 30 uh, to uh, start at uh, the company that, that uh, we, we worked at, Katie. And uh, that was a big turning point for me because it was somewhere new and a big life change. Uh, and it, it really gave me a chance to uh, be introspective about myself and be like, okay, so what's going on? Why do I feel the way I do? Why, um, why am I not so happy, uh, you know, being married and kids and having this great job and like, you know, <clears throat> living that American dream, there, there is still something that's just so off what's going on. Uh, and so, because I'm a tech person, I just started doodling things. Uh, and uh, as I saw people's stories uh, of, you know, how do I feel this way? What resonated with me was, uh, so uh, I, I'm, I'm transgender and this is, you know, <clears throat> how I felt and this is what I did. And so that was kind of the uh, my my later in life epiphany of, oh well, shoot, I'm 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 trans. I'm glad I have an answer. And gosh, that's scary as hell. Um, and so that was kind of the start of it. And I happened to uh, somehow secret handshake with some other uh, person at at GoDaddy uh, that. Uh, was was also uh, questioning their gender, um, and so uh, we we were able to talk. We you know talked about the the company's non discrimination policy and like you know that this probably covers uh, covers us in transitioning. Uh, and I think that they were the brave one that that had talked to you first, um, and 
um, uh, they they ended up uh, deciding that transition wasn't the right thing for them. Um, but uh, after they were brave enough to talk to you, uh, it, it really opened it up for me to be like, okay, so you know that this is a thing that I really feel like I need to do. Um, I, I hope this works out. And I think um, you know, on on my end, yes, I, I remember having you know conversations with uh, the other person and then talking to you. And I think on on my end, I was furiously googling what should an HR person do if someone is transitioning <laughs> at work, and and what happens, and what are the policies that we need to put in place, and how do we handle bathrooms, how do we handle all of these things, and. And I can distinctly remember, you know, as you actually shared with your team and communicated to your team that this was what you, you know, were doing, and this was, you know, uh, how you wanted to be, uh, you know, what pronouns to be using, all of those things, how you want to be referred to moving forward. One of the managers, um, and I don't know if it was your direct manager or which manager it was, but came into my office right after you had shared with the team and said, oh, I went office to office and I let everyone know this is happening so that the managers all know. And I literally like, remember like putting my head on my desk, like, oh, Nelly, like <laughs> I have failed as a person. <laughs> I have totally screwed this up and now, you know, it's going to be, you know, this rough situation. And, but I, I would love to hear, you know, after you shared that and, you know, with your team, after you shared that with your leader, after you, made that brave decision to to transition at work which is a scary thing and especially when you're the first um you know being the second the third etc is a lot easier but being the first is really hard and so what was the reaction and the reception from your team members from your manager um etc you know when you went through that sure um you know the reaction was broadly really super great um i Everybody that I worked closely with uh, was just immediately accepting, um, very positive about it. Uh, I, I was fortunate that uh, you know I, I had worked there for a year and a half or so, um, and had already you know had a bit of a track record of uh, performing really well, being uh, highly valued. Um, and so um, I, I think that in the combination of, you know, tech just tending to lean a bit liberal, um, it, it really made for a good environment uh, to, uh, to be able to do that in. Uh, it, it wasn't uh, entirely perfectly positive and easy. There, there were people that um, like uh, failed to pronounce for, for a little bit, um, sometimes, definitely completely accidental uh I, I worked with um somebody that was just like the most respectful uh older gentleman and whenever um like we would uh end phone calls he would be like all right thank you sir uh before i had transitioned uh and you know i i had it in my head he is going to mess this up he's going to feel really awful and like it's just going to happen and I, I can't do anything about it. And sure enough, like, you know, the, the, the first time we talked on the phone after I transitioned, uh, yeah, we, we finished everything up. He's like, all right, thank you, sir, and hangs up. 
Um, I'm like, oh, this poor guy. And he just like immediately calls back. It's like, Ryan, I am so sorry. I'm like, no, really, it's okay. I understand. It's it's a hard change. You know, I, I feel awful because I'm transgender and I've asked, you know, people in my life to to change pronouns for me. And I, I still screw it up when um, somebody in my life changes pronouns. Um, you know, it, it's it's a hard thing. You know, it's it's neural pathways that have embedded themselves over over time, and um, you know, it's uh, it's it's been an interesting thing. Uh, but you know, generally everybody has been uh, super positive. It, it was uh, a lot easier than the worst case scenario I had built up in my head. It's, I, I, I know that it was a, a journey and I can only imagine, it's why it's so important that we have to proactively make sure that we're being inclusive before, you know, these things happen. And I always say there's a lot of times where people feel like they're being inclusive and they think that they, like we talk about unconscious bias, until you're actually dealing with a real scenario and and we have to make sure especially from the hr side that you're making that you have things in place for everyone of all the possible ways that people show up because we're working with humans right we're, we're working with humans and i'm glad to know that that people were supportive but i'm also curious as to what things katie and we've talked about it for people who maybe this is the first time what kind of things did we did you have in place, did you not have in place that you had to have considerations to make sure that, you know, Ryan felt safe? And Ryan, what did you notice? Like, what things did you think, okay, you, when you're looking at your company benefits or, or the things that they were looking internally, would you want to happen if for other organizations that are looking to create inclusive environments? Wow, that was a lot of words. In my head, it was so much shorter. I just kept going. So. I think I'll say, you know, from, from my end and, you know, we've had Tara Robertson on before and she actually built um, at her previous employer, she built out an entire kind of playbook of what to do when someone is transitioning. And I think that is one that is such a critical piece because it, it is, it's almost like any other type of, uh, you know, company communication or company change you're doing, obviously, you know, kind of on, you know, a, a smaller scale in regards to, you know, it's not something you're broadcasting to everyone, but knowing kind of what are the steps and when do they need to take and, and having the conversation with the person to say, what is the day that you want this to be in effect? And, and how do you want to communicate with the team? Because I think those are some pieces that it shouldn't be up to HR, it shouldn't be up to the leader. The employee should be able to say, this is how I want this to go. And obviously within reason, you know, it's not a, hey, we're going to host a town hall for the whole company or anything like that, you know, obviously, you know, and no, I don't know that anyone would want to do that. But, you know, having that conversation about how, how does this look for you and what is best case scenario for you, you know, kind of trans point, like having a situation where you know what's going to happen next and then next and then next and preparing folks in that way. So they know here is the day which you're going to start using my name. Here's the day you're going to start using my pronouns. Here's when I do not ever want to hear my dad name again. Just some of those things. And it's just part of it is an awareness that folks maybe don't know some of these things. And, you know, as, as you just mentioned, 
being on a call and someone does a misstep and helping that person also with the grace and you did a phenomenal job and there was no help on my end that was ever needed because there was just this natural people are going to screw up they're not going to be perfect at it right from the get-go and so helping and educating and just um working with folks and and having that open communication but you know the word that comes to mind and i think like i said i saw it time and again with you is just grace and really you know being so thoughtful about everyone else's feelings when you were you know dealing with your own feelings on each piece of that and probably terrified the entire time so thank you for that <laughs> welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit fuel your purpose and connect us all we believe in the incredible power of the human spirit its boundless resilience and the inspiration it brings to our lives on the driving change podcast we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission, that through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. Um, so what you said about, um, I'm sorry, give me just a sec. Um, I've totally lost all of my train of thought. It's okay. I don't know if I you should talk, talk, you know, because I can fill it with random words that mean absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. What were your questions, Jackie? It was just like, what would you want and what did you expect or from oh, your okay, organization? Sure. Or whether there anything that you had to check in on? Because I, you know, like, I always want to be prepared, right? It's like, what can we do mm -hmm. to make sure that we're being inclusive? So it would have been really nice if I walked into that situation and HR did have that playbook of, hey, this is you know how to handle it. Um, it was also uh, it was also nice coming into it a bit greenfield without uh, any particular expectations and being able to um, be a part of of making sure that what the company was doing fit me. Um, you know, everybody's transition can be a bit different. Uh, some people don't change their name at all. Um, changing uh, pronouns to uh, they, them, or some neo-pronouns uh, can be a very different experience to um, what, what I had where you know, my parents changed very drastically and uh, I, I went from male pronouns to female pronouns. Um, what, what I looked for out of the company uh, was, um, my, my first look was at um, the non-discrimination policy. Uh, and seeing if uh, that language included uh, gender, gender identity and expression, looking for those things. Uh, very quickly, as I looked for what, what the best companies were doing about that, uh, looking at the uh, HRC corporate equality index uh, and seeing those ratings. And uh, at the time, uh, our company wasn't big enough to, to, you know, really be uh, mindful of that. Uh, but since 
uh, we, we have and have started, um, but we've scored 100% the last few years. And that's been wonderful. That was like my dream of where the company might get at some point. Um, at the time when I transitioned, uh, there was a blanket exclusion on any transgender related healthcare. Uh, and I had very specific worries uh, because 10 years ago, there, there were horror stories of that being used uh, for, um, <clears throat> hey, I had a heart attack and because I was on estrogen and there's an increased risk of, of blood clots, you know, my, my entire heart attack and stay in the hospital uh, gets denied by the insurance. Um, and, you know, as, as somebody with uh, a family and a spouse, uh, you know, it's terrifying that, hey, that might be a position that I put my loved ones in. Um, and so uh, that, that was a big deal for me to uh, try to um, <clears throat> ensure that I'm, I'm putting my loved ones in a good position. And part of that is, hey, either the company needs to do better on healthcare or I'm gonna to have to move to a company with better healthcare. I appreciate that. I, I feel so strongly um, now about trying to make sure like that we're looking at our own policies. Like I work at Textio and our, our policies are, are pretty broad and we have really great benefits, but I'm always, I'm always asking because I feel like I've heard so many stories, horror stories of people having to come out over and over and over again. And I think about that the most. I think um, just from a, a people aspect, I'm very empathetic. I have a, um, a trans child with uh, they, them pronouns, and that was that is young. And so I think what's, there's a different expectation now, maybe than like seven years ago, that these things have already occurred. And so many times it's only when something's already tragic or something, it doesn't even have to be that tragic. It could be, I'm sick and I'm going into the, I'm going into the ER, right? What's already in place so that in that moment, that stressful time that we don't make it more stressful. Or, you know, or we don't want to add to, we want everyone to feel those things. And so I just think it's really important that people look at their policies to make sure that that is in place so that you're not, that we're adding in a positive way to everyone who works with us. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, like you said earlier, where, um, you know, you, you don't know when those policies are going to be important. Uh, if the culture uh, before I had transitioned had been less inclusive, if it had been, um, if jokes about trans people happened and were tolerated, uh, I wouldn't have transitioned there. I would have left and worked somewhere else. Um, and so that that is very important for, um, you know, retention and making for uh, a good environment. I think that's a, a huge point. You know, I think, you know, in organizations, what does the culture actually look like today? So, you know, setting aside what someone might be thinking about doing or what they're going through or whatever, it, this is also where it really comes into play. How important a culture is, it's not being inclusive once you have people that are 
air quotes, diverse. It's be inclusive, period. And, and, you know, making sure that you're setting yourself up. And I'll also share that, you know, one of the things that I really appreciated is that we were able to come to you as well and say, what do you need from a healthcare perspective? What do you need? And things that, you know, would never have even occurred to me or to anyone else on the, the benefits team of like laser hair removal. And, you know, some of these things that just, it, again, would never have occurred to me, being able to have someone that you can say, what else, what else would be helpful? What else would be needed? What else would be appreciated? Because I think that's part of the conversation too is, and this goes back to asking folks what they need, not just making an assumption or just doing things that you think are right. Um, because I think that's just something that, you know, unfortunately, folks in HR, myself included, you want to solve the problem, you want to fix the thing. And so you maybe go out and take action versus slowing down, having some conversations and going, how should we do this the right way? And so I think the just that communication has to be there with the person and just again, with the organization as a whole, setting things up ahead of time. And, and I'll say, you know, for any company that does not have gender identity, sexual orientation, all of those pieces as part of your non-discrimination policy and, you know, part of your uh, retaliation policy, all of those pieces, put them in today. Because I think that's something that is, this is, you know, as you just mentioned, if you had not felt like it was going to be safe for you to do this, you would have gone to another organization. And I'll also tell you, I didn't mention this at the top of the call. Um, Rayanne's actually kind of a badass uh, technologist as well. So that's part of this conversation too, is that we did not, I mean, we were, we wanted to do everything we possibly could to retain her because she was amazing. And, and, you know, and the work that she was doing was so critical to the organization. Not that that was, you know, the only reason to do it, but it was one of those things where if you have someone who's awesome that, you know, can do amazing things. And at one point, I think there was a conversation of like, um, she's the only one that could do this one thing here. So don't screw this up. Um, and, and so I think that's part of it as well. It's just, you know, you have folks that are doing critical work and making sure that they have what they need to be able to focus on that work, not have to worry about all the rest of the things. Um, it's such an important piece to this conversation too. So, um, well, and that's why I feel like there's the, what's important we is making sure that people have those options that they don't always have to come to you. They don't feel that relationship with you that the options are there for people so that they can make those decisions on their own. Like not just like a, oh, you're. 50 and you're pregnant, here's the list of what we do for these high risk and whatever, whatever, whatever. It's like, I need to be able to make this, these decisions. So it's important to have things in place. Like, as you're saying, you know, go back and look, don't wait, don't wait and say, oh, it's not a problem. And I, I remember going to an organization once and someone saying, oh, well, we can't have those conversations because Jackie's here now, being a woman that they couldn't like I was changing the culture and sometimes somehow it was my fault. And so we, when you're trying to be, you, you're inclusive, then you're inclusive. You work to try to put those things and be inclusive and, and, and ask yourself who is being left out. So I'm glad you're right. I forgot about Tara's, I forgot about Tara's playbook. Um, but I'm glad. And so you're still there. 
right? I am. You're still, are you still with? That's a long time. Uh, it is. That, that's forever intact. Uh, like Katie yeah. said, I was kind of a badass. Um, and that absolutely. Still is. I was going to say kind of are a badass. I kind of am a badass. Uh, that absolutely helped give me confidence uh, as that happened, uh, both in my value already being demonstrated to the company and thinking that they were likely to uh, do a lot to retain me. Uh, and that if I had to go somewhere else, that 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 was something that I could if this didn't work out and I needed to. Um, as as we worked through benefit stuff, Katie, uh, I remember that um, my my very first ask about healthcare uh, was with I think our, our director of benefits at the time, uh, and it was not a good conversation. Uh, I, I went in, you know, scared, newly transitioned employee, very uncertain of of her future. Um, and making this ask that, hey, so we should really change some policies here, even though it's only affecting me right now, uh, because this is, you know, a, a better thing to do. This is what uh, tech is moving towards in particular. Um, and it very quickly became uh, a conversation about uh, my wife, and um, this was before gay marriage was legalized, uh, and whether she could remain on our, our health insurance um, because it was a same-sex marriage and that wasn't federally legalized. And while there had been like some legal precedent that that was still probably considered a legal marriage, um, it, it wasn't a given. Uh, and the company didn't have uh, like domestic partner benefits like like they do now. That wasn't a broad thing that that happened. Um, and so I left that meeting just feeling awful. Like, okay, so that this is the break glass scenario. I'm going to have to go and interview other places, and um, I'm I'm not going to get uh, the health insurance that I want here. Uh, it, it was. Uh, really terrible and awful. And I think Katie, you were our ORDS uh, HR business partner at the time. And I think my manager, like after I came back from that meeting, like I either in tears or close to it, I think he, he probably reached out and was like, Katie fix this. And I think, yeah, I, I, yes, uh, there were some challenges. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and I think you bring up a, a good point as well that, you know, this is, you know, not to, you know, in any way throw that person under the bus, but I think it is that there is some newness or at the time there was, I think we have evolved definitely. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, most HR folks, but it, it, it goes back to this, you know, HR not being the police. We're actually there to support our team members. And I think that's something that, you know, continues to be a challenge in our profession. And, you know, Jackie and I talk about it all the time of, you know, the HR cardigan wearing, pearl clutching, got to follow the rules. Here are the rules. That's it. And, you know, no gray area. And we operate in gray 24 hours a day, making sure that, you know, what do we need to do to have a great experience for our folks? Um, 
what is what is something that you know for HR folks? You know, you've shared a couple tidbits already, but what's something that HR folks maybe aren't thinking about? What is something that leaders maybe aren't thinking about that they they should if they have an employee approach them as you did, saying, "Hey, I, I want to transition." Um. Well, I think nowadays that there is a ton of good resources out there on uh, how to support an employee well when they transition like that there's kind of been best practice established about um you know letting the employee lead that conversation uh letting them uh, establish a timeline for name change and pronouns and uh, whatever else that uh, they are going to change uh that uh you know, it affects the company broadly. Um, publishing things beforehand on, um, you know, good non-discrimination non policy, uh, retaliation policy, um, how uh, it, it's still very tough to find if any random health insurance policy uh, broadly excludes transgender-related care. Uh, that's very difficult, especially um, to to a candidate. Uh, you know, a candidate almost always has to out themselves to uh, HR and recruiter to be like, "Hey, so I'm transgender. Um, does your your health insurance have a blanket exclusion or not?" To be able to find that info. Uh, being proactive about that and making that uh, very easily accessible to candidates is going to bring in more candidates. Um, and um, having very broad uh, definitions of what um, what healthcare is um, falls under that. Things like laser hair removal uh, for for male to female people. Um, uh, there's a, a variety of, uh, you know, different medical treatments that, uh, you know, any given trans person may or may not choose to, to um, pursue uh, whatever happens to be right for them. Uh, and knowing that, uh, you know, health insurance is going to broadly cover whatever that is, is, is important. They're all good. I, I'm going to... Uh, the one that I'll also mention is that, you know, we know that for some insurance companies and, and for anyone in the trans community, finding a healthcare provider that offers and is able to, you know, respectfully care for transgender people. And, and to your point, whatever decisions they make about whatever changes they might want to make physically. And, and being aware of, you know, do we have the right coverage in place to make sure that folks, because I think, you know, immediately the first thought people have is, oh, hormone replacement. Okay, yeah, sure. That, and that's literally the tip of the iceberg on what might be needed or what might be the ask. And so just being thoughtful about that as well. And then I'm going to also out myself on, on something that I remember, and this again, a mistake that I made. Um, we had other folks that were coming in and, and wanting to change their gender in the HRES system and not knowing or not, you know, I'm like, yeah, how do we decide? Like, what is that line to say, when should we do this? When should we not do this? Or, you know, how, how do we handle this? I think so many companies and, you know, I, I, again, I'm guilty of this. It's, 
once you go to the state and actually change your driver's license or change your birth certificate or change whatever it might be, then we'll change it in the HRIS system. And how I, how um, ignorant that is. Um, and again, I am guilty of this because I was like, well, I don't know how else we could determine like what that point is when you when it's decided in the answer is when the person says they are transitioning and and so you know for anyone again that's in that position you know in an operations role in hr whatever it might be the employee is not coming to you flippantly to change their gender they are scared to death they're not sure how it's going to go all of these things and so being respectful of them as an adult coming to you and saying this is what is happening and this is what i want to change and I, I because we also know and again i think some of these things are changing now with different states but sometimes they can't get that supportive documentation and knowing that you know you're denying them as a human because you're not acknowledging that in the systems and tools that's something that's just also critical as, as well um i want to ask a question because I, I am curious um so Texaco recently published some research around gender bias and you know gender bias and performance reviews and as you know we did some work with the claimant institute while i was there um, around gender bias and performance reviews did you notice a difference in your performance reviews or in kind of the way people talked to you gave you feedback uh managed your performance when you you know before kind of the before and after how much do you understand the future of finance. I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. Um, so having transitioned and uh, you know, especially transitioning and staying at the same company is a very unique perspective on uh, the differences in uh, being male presenting in tech and being female presenting in tech. Um, I'm somebody that tends to be pretty direct and pretty outspoken, uh, and those qualities, uh, especially uh, when reviewing uh, female employees in particular, um, you know, that that's an area that can have a lot of bias presented that can be, uh, you know, hey, they are, they're unfriendly and unwelcoming and, um, you know, the, the whatever polite word for this person is just too bitchy. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I didn't really experience that personally, I don't think, at least as far as reviews. Uh, I've been really fortunate that um, my managers, my, my entire time at, at my company have been uh, very supportive, um, very uh, empathetic, uh, well, very thoughtful people um and i i don't feel like my reviews have ever uh 
really presented a ton of bias. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm very thoughtful also about the differences in <clears throat> how I am perceived uh, giving the same feedback when I was male presenting and now uh, as female presenting. Uh, it, it is different and I, I do find myself approaching uh, <clears throat> approaching some conversations differently um, with, with that in mind. It's, it's, uh, it's a challenge. Yeah. It's been so triggering. The report and everything that's coming back has been so triggering and how people just treat different people. I just, I just hope, I have hope that one day that we'll be able to relate to people as people. I just have to have, I have to have hope. Someone said, those of us that are in like diversity and inclusion work are like missionaries. Like we do all of this work in the hope that this will happen. And I have, I have to believe that. I'm glad that you haven't had that happen. But I know so many people do. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I'm glad that at least some of us are having these conversations in the hope. And I feel like people are, um, I hope we continue on this narrative where people are trying to be more inclusive and call people out when they aren't being inclusive. Um, you brought something up, Katie, that um, as you know, as my oldest was, when we were graduating, my oldest just graduated from Houston Tillotson. We're very excited, whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> but called me the day before, was it the day before? Or it was the same week as graduation to tell me that all of their information had their dead name on it and that they legally could not do the change to their name because it was like down in their permanent record. So the college or their university used their name but had to tell that we have to put your dead name on all of the transcripts and all of that until you do get it legally changed. And so we're getting closer, but we're really, really, we're not there yet. And so we have to keep looking at these things and being true allies to try to get these things changed so that people can just be themselves, you know? I was listening to like this old song. It was like, I just want to be me. I just want to be, I just want to be able to go to work. I always forget that I'm the VP of diversity because there are days where it's like, can I just do my job and not talk about this? Oh, yeah, no. But <laughs> I want to create these safe spaces. And we know what being silent and not taking these matters seriously can lead to. And we just can't have that happen for our brothers and sisters there that are just trying to be them. And we have to keep going until we have that equality and fairness. And it's gonna, our feet are gonna hurt and be bruised and callous, but we have to, we just have to keep going. Yeah, and I would also say, you know, I think, I, I think we all are very aware of what's coming next um, from the Supreme Court and some of the, you know, obviously Clarence Thomas, uh, I think we'll be pursuing some other cases that have already been decided that they now want to try and overturn or uh, push back on gay marriage being one of them. 
And, you know, I think this is, we've said this before in the podcast and we'll say it again, that like, by not saying anything, you're saying a lot. And, and I think that's something that, you know, again, as leaders, as HR folks, there's not a time anymore when we can stay silent to your point, Jackie, like, yeah, there are days when I'm like, I just, I can't do it. I just want to, you know, get my head down, do whatever I need to do, but that's not an option. And, you know, we, this is our role. This is our job to be that voice and to yell the loudest when someone's not being treated fairly, when they're not being treated the way that they should be by their employer and in, and in society as well. Um, all right. So what is one thing that you want to make sure that folks hear uh, from this episode, one thing that you want to make sure folks actually get as they kind of uh, go about their day after listening to this. So Rayanne, you want to go first? I'll go first. Sure. Um, you know, one thing is that the policies around transgender employees, um, you know, it, it tends to be something that really uh, affects a, a pretty small minority of people. Uh, you know, it, it's not going to be the same as um, policies around uh, women or uh, in, in a broader um, diversity group. It, it's it's pretty small, but it really does tend to show up uh, to people that are looking at uh, how your company uh, <clears throat> treats uh, minority groups, um, how, how a company treats trans people really does have an effect for how they treat employees of color, how they treat women, what the culture is like. And I think that, you know, having having great policies around there, having a great culture uh, makes a huge difference. Awesome. Thank you. Jackie? Right now, I'm still just stuck. I'm like, I have a lot on my head. I'm just trying to get through. So I'm a little emotional and teary. I can't say anything. Okay. I'm just going to keep uh, going. We just, just have going. to keep going. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think you had mentioned, uh, Ryan, something earlier in the podcast. So I just want to bring up the, you know, uh, human rights campaign, HRC's uh, uh, corporate equality index is something that every, you know, organization should be looking at. And one of the pieces that they ask for, one of the requirements in their scoring is do you have trainings on anti-harassment, anti-retaliation, anti-discrimination that are gender identity, sexual orientation inclusive? And, and that's something that I think so many of our trainings that we, you know, go out and purchase, you know, off the shelf from different orgs that do training, that it maybe does not include that piece. And it's so important, especially when we know there is still so much harm being done for the LGBTQ, towards the LGBTQ community. And so making sure that you have trainings in place, making sure you have policies in place that are inclusive of all of your groups. I think that's just such a, a critical piece. And then enforcing those policies is kind of that second step that it's not cute. It's not a joke. It's not funny. Um, you know, these are people's lives and these are humans at the other end of, of these conversations. And I think, you know, 
one of the greatest learnings for me in working through your transition was just that this is a human and I'm a human and how would I want to be treated? How would I want this to go down? How would I want to be respected? And, and how would I want folks to work through this with me? And I, you know, so I, I want to thank you for educating me and, and helping me as I was fumbling through it. Um, and, you know, I think again, as, as I mentioned, you know, Tara Robertson, uh, you know, put together a great playbook that, you know, we can put the link in the, the show notes, uh, so y'all can access that. But, um, to Jackie's point, we need to keep going. We need to keep working and we need to keep the, we need to keep in mind that there are humans and that human rights are, should be thought of for everyone and be inclusive of everyone. So on that note, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we very much appreciate this conversation. You know, I know this will be really valuable for folks. Um, so thank you for taking the time. And it was very good to see you. <laughs> I want to see you the next time I'm in town. It's like, what? <laughs> Since well, we're we going to be hunkering to down at your house with the Cheeto Puffs. We got to go to Pennsylvania. Got to go to Allentown. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Going. And, and going. Just so you know, Allentown, uh, so that's, you can get really good progies there and you can get really good beers and they have steak sandwiches with the red sauce on them. Good. That is like a whole situation. Yeah. It's very different Ready. than anything you've had. Um, oh. Now I'm hungry. So I need to go get on a plane and go to Allentown. Um, it's going to work out really well for everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is Katie Van Horn. And this is Jackie Clayton. Uh, bye. Bye. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.